You're listening to the Living Adventures Podcast, a lifestyle podcast hosted by Ashley Milkey and Victoria Vance. Tune in for a new episode every Thursday to hear our honest conversations about topics like freedom, creativity, spirituality, luxury living, health and wellness, and above all else, building community. We have real and unfiltered conversations inspired by our search to feel connected to people who give a shit about us, support our dreams, and understand our struggles. Our mission is to provide you with the tools, guidance, and motivation to navigate any moment in your life with the lens of your neurodivergent mind, with a community who gets you. Adventure on. Hello, 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 everybody. It is Victoria here for solo episode two, and um, I'm only going to have one take this time. It's a busy week, and we're going to get right into this. What are we going to talk about today? Well, we're going to talk about mindfulness because on Friday last week, I, somebody asked about it and maybe you're listening. My brain is just forgetting things right now, but talking about how mindfulness is good for ADHD, but people get confused by it. And as somebody who's been working on understanding mindfulness for many years now, and teach it to clients and I kind of teach it to clients and I don't mean this to sound like sketchy, but like I teach it to them without them understanding and realizing. And then they realize later and they're like, oh, okay, I get it now. And the reason why I started doing that is because when I first started coaching is whenever somebody would bring up mindfulness and ADHD is people would get extremely defensive with it. And I understand why, because there's a lot of toxic positivity on mindfulness online, and especially there's a lot of toxic positivity inside of ADHD. So I was like, you know, I guess I'll just teach it under the radar with people not realizing. And it's been going great. But <laughs> let's talk about it openly, because honestly, people are more accepting of that now, or at least in my circle. And maybe it was just the people who were on my feed back then. I don't know, whatever, but I don't care anymore. And I want to talk openly because I talked about that video that, um, I rarely delete videos, but one, that video that I deleted, which was a really good mindfulness video. And I deleted it because of the hate I was getting, um, which was about, you don't need to buy more things, which I think is so important to talk about right now during like the R word recession coming. And I want to go deeper into mindfulness because I really do. So the reason I got this idea is actually because I was listening to a podcast this week. Actually, no, back up. On Friday, I have a Facebook group that I'm in that's for my program. And these coaches were promoting their podcast and whatever. And I went and looked at it. Um, and they're saying, you know, how to make ADHD your bitch and that it's not a disability. And I was just like, um, okay. So ADHD is a disability. And why do we need to make ADHD your bitch? Like we're just getting right into it. I was on fire. I was ready to clap back. I did clap back at them. I did not have control. Um, and I also don't regret that at all because they're spreading information, not good information. They're saying that, you know, ADHD is a superpower. It's not a disability or an excuse. If you're hearing this, ADHD is a disability. Um, yeah, yeah, no, it's a disability. Really fucking is. There is great parts to it and there are fucking terrible parts to it. 
that's where I think true non-toxic mindfulness really can come into play and help you out here. And I do not want, I want to go into the saying that like, I don't believe mindfulness solves everything, but I think it's an important mindset to get into and you can just enjoy life ADHD aside, just a lot better. And because with ADHD and how you might be treated and how you interact with the world, it can help you walk through life a little bit better. Does it solve all the problems? Hell fucking no. But it can work a lot better with you. So that's what we're going to talk about. (laughs) Because then I went hiking on Saturday and went for a seven mile hike. My brain was so clear, but I was still foggy. And then on Sunday, I listened to a podcast episode. The podcast episode was, mm, it's another crooked media one. It's one on offline. I think I talked about that one in the last episode, or maybe I didn't post that uh, episode. I don't really know. See the thing I talk so much, but I just don't know. Hold on everybody. Okay. It was an offline and the episode was do dating apps make it harder to find love. Offline is, if I haven't talked about it, Offline is a podcast by John Favreau. I would love to go on that one day. I will. Okay. And he brought in two people who I really don't want to say their names wrong, um, but they're host of the newest season of The Cuts, Land of the Giants. I don't know. They, they're talking about um, dating games and everything. And this was an amazing episode and something that I have been thinking on a lot because, as you all know, I said, I'm going to do it this year. Well, I don't really know what I'm doing, actually, because that's going to kind of go into this. So just hold off on that one for a second. But for all my single, but also non-single people, because I think this is important, and I kind of talked to Ashley about this this weekend, is... We often go through life trying to check off these checkboxes too often. And we are sold these checkboxes that when we have these, we have things together and that we're doing well, we're happy with these boxes, and that life just gets better with them. But that's not necessarily true. Because those boxes are kind of being sold to you in a little capitalistic bucket And this idea of having it all together that we're sold constantly, yet we never realize what that really is. And it's kind of like when we're dealing with perfectionism, the thing I'll do with the clients is like, okay, like if you're like, it needs to be perfect, just perfect. What is perfect? Describe that for me right now. And mm, guess what? Their version of, they often will get tripped up and everything because it's like, Okay, so it's perfect. Um, This email needs to be perfect. Like, no grammar. I need to say everything efficiently. Okay, what does it mean to say everything efficiently? Like, what are these words? What are these things? And we just do not have a good understanding of it. And the point of that kind of goes... What was my point that I was gathering? Commercial break. Um, I hope the audio gets a lot better on these podcasts real soon. I'm going to work on some things while I'm in Florida, when you're hearing this, hopefully everything will be more consistent. I'm sorry. It hasn't been. That's really upsetting to me. Anyways, commercial break over. Mindfulness is, oh, that, you know, checking off these boxes, you'll check them off. And so often, like I have clients who are like, I checked all these boxes and now I hate my life. And I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. me too, girl or person, non-gender. I don't know. Anyways, is yeah, 
you're, you're, yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense why you don't feel fulfilled in life. That makes sense why you hate your life. That makes sense why, you know, you have nothing left in you. And this is kind of going into burnout as well of, you know, when we don't have any life fulfillment and like feelings and like happiness and you can still have happiness, but like not really be feeling happiness. And I'll kind of go into that in a minute, but we often walk through life like that and it's really sad. And so something that's often taught in, uh, Buddhism of mindfulness is the first thing you have to learn is to suffer. And when I first learned that, I was like, that's so fucking terrible. Looking back at it now, it's because I was suffering. And like that, and so if you are hearing this and like you're in a really, really hard time is know that like, okay, like that's okay. Because the reason why they say that suffering is the first thing you have to learn is because then from that suffering, you can learn how to try find true happiness again. And when you can allow yourself to actually suffer and just suffer and exist as a human, you allow yourself to feel all of the emotions and then you can feel the other ones too again. And it's really true because honestly, I deeply went through this when Cannon died, my old dog. And that's when I like really started to understand mindfulness because I was like, you know what? Fine. They always say to like feel completely into all these emotions. And so I cried and I wept for weeks maybe a bit. No, I'm actually not going to say a bit too long. Honestly, there is no bit too long or whatever. It's whatever your destination is. So I did that for a few weeks and then started working on other things. And with doing that is like, okay, how can I take action step forward? And understanding that like, okay, I wasn't happy with the friends in my life. I wasn't happy with the people in my life. I wasn't happy with living situations and understanding like, oh my gosh, okay, like a lot of this happiness, some things I can change, some things I can't change, some things I can change down the later and everything, but like what are those small action steps I can take now to make myself feel better? Because the thing about mindfulness is it's about being here in the present right now. Right now. And it's not about waiting for an end destination. It's not about checking those boxes. It's about how can you find that happiness right now? Why do you have to wait until that box is checked to find happiness? Why can't you find it now? And even now I still get frustrated sometimes because I do get caught up in that. And then it's like, oh, okay. Why am I not happy now? What's blocking me from happiness right now? And the answer is always me. It really is. And that sucks, but it's great. And something in mindfulness is, okay, you'll hear this a lot online is, okay, awareness is the first step, you know, to healing and blah, blah, blah. Awareness is the first step of mindfulness. The second step is being able to courageously look inward. Yeah. Because that awareness only gets you so far. You can be aware and you can be miserable because of your awareness. And so you have to take that awareness and you have to be like, okay, I might be the cause of some of this stuff and I might not be, but we're going to look at what's going on and we're going to figure it out. And we're going to get to the root of it all. And it's going to peel back like some onion layers, some artichoke layers. And you will understand more and more and more. You have to take the time. You have to do that. And there's a, in mindfulness, there's this idea of what's it called? The streetlight effect or the streetlight paradigm. I don't know what the exact thing is. And so what it is, is the parable of, okay, this man is stops on the side of the road. He's looking for his keys by the stop, uh, by the streetlight or whatever. And this police cam man comes and he's like, oh, hey, like, what are you doing? Are you okay? And 
He says, yeah, I'm just looking for my keys. And so he starts helping him look. After a while of not finding them, he's like, are you sure you lost your keys here? And the man goes, no, I lost them in the park. And he's like, well, why are you looking for them here? Because this is where the light is. The point of that parable is to say he's looking for where the light is already shining and it feels easier even though he knows it's not the right answer. But it takes a lot of courage to go into that dark place to look for something. And so what he's saying is like looking inside of you to where you can be the problem and everything and processing that sometimes blocks us. I know it's really common to be like, I'm terrified to sit with your thoughts. And that's so justified. I used to be there. And that's because my thoughts were terrible. And for good reasons, not for good reasons. I was, you know, in trauma and whatever. But it made sense as to why I felt like that and had that experience. And I had to get to a safe place. And so put myself in a completely safe place to begin to start meditating. Okay, when I'm home alone. And I was always with a dog when I started meditating. And then I grew and grew and grew in that because I wasn't able to do that when I was surrounded by others and surrounded by my trauma and things that were impacting me. Uh, Ashley and I were talking about this this weekend and she said, yeah, the first time I was able to meditate, I was like home alone and like in the bath. And I, it was, I finally felt completely safe. And it's like, you have to make yourself physically and like kind of your nervous system to feel safe to begin this process. But the next step with mindfulness is like truly coming to that present moment and being comfortable with that and creating connection. And that's kind of how we get into the dating thing, because what they were talking about is the rise of dating apps also happened. They didn't say this, but the rise of dating apps happened in 2009 when Tinder started and everything and was falling or at the same time, the third place was falling. The third place, if you don't know, is not where you work, not where you go to school, um, and is not your home and is where you go hang out. You will often see third places in movies and TV shows. And I found myself growing up being jealous. I was like, they just all have a third place they go to all the time and everything. Uh, they just all have like a hangout spot. That's so cool. I wish I had that. I was just looking for a third place in hindsight. But anyways, I digress. So with the lack of third place, we've risen in dating apps to be a game. And one, as somebody who used to be a UI UX designer and app and product designer is these are literally designed to not work with us. They are only designed to have like a five to 10% success rate so that people keep using them. And it's like the slot machine where it's like, I know at some point, you know, it's going to work. It's going to pull a winner. Is it going to be with me? No, but it keeps you going. It keeps you guessing. It keeps your hopes up. That's the same thing as what dating apps are doing. And so... Do I use them? No, I actually just deleted my last one. I had Raya. Um, shit's terrible. You can only swipe like five names and everything. I got on it because I wanted to and everything. Um, and yeah, it's terrible. It's stupid. So I deleted it because I was just like, honestly, why am I paying for this? Like, why am I paying for this? Also, why are dating apps so expensive? Truly a question. Never mind. Something I didn't talk about is the ugly effect in that, which like they literally try to make people portrayed in society as ugly pay more for the apps to get seen more because they'll like push your profile down. Anyways, that came out a while ago. I don't know if anybody remembers that. And so dating apps are not really designed to have success. And then with the fact that like, 
you have three to five people helping you make your profile. It's like, okay, is this profile even you or are you constructing it to do something? Next is, okay, they're kind of, the society has adapted to this place where you are then swiping like a game. And it's, I even said this a few months ago, I was like, honestly, I can't actually use dating apps because I genuinely find it to be a game. And I'm looking at like a magazine of people. It's not like, oh, they're humans, which is anti-mindfulness, anti-mindfulness, um, which is not good. And so, okay, I don't like these. And I kind of thought I was for, with ADHD for a second. And I, I still do because there's like this dissociation layer, but I feel like maybe because of ADHD, I can see the dissociation layer more. I actually don't really understand. So I don't like them. And where was this point going? Right. Is so you're swiping and everything. And then say you get on a date or whatever, you're so easy, especially because of online dating culture to be like, oh, that's a red flag and cancel on whatever or end it sooner with a person because you are, you can just go back onto the app to where your addiction might be as well as, um, you know, there's so many more options. You have access to so much. And, you know, there's this question that's commonly asked is like, are we supposed to have this much connection? I believe we can, but we need to take it off the internet. I still believe that like, okay, the internet is fucking great. I love the internet. I, I do. But you also need to come off of it and you need to make that connection again. And like a lot of social anxiety is built because of this, because we keep the online relationships online. And I think when I was younger, like I always strive to have my online relationships come real and like to meet each other or whatever. And like, obviously not in like another country most of the time, but like I found a lot of people in Boston or in like nearing states that we could like meet up and do something. And I think like online is a place, great place to get connection where you're not directly connected all the time, but can build that and build closer and get into person. They talk about this where people are dating, you know, with massive intentions, which is bad. It's good, but it's bad. You know, there's the idea of like, I'm dating with the intention to marry. And I think that can be good because, you know, it's like, it's good to just let somebody know what your purpose is. But I think when somebody says that, I understand like people take that really wrong in the sense of like, oh, you're looking for this right now. Like you want to marry right now. And it's like, no, I want to take this as a mindful approach again as like, hey, I'm not looking to just hang out once and then like stop. Like, Obviously, if this doesn't work out and this doesn't go well, like, obviously that can happen. I'm here to make the most connections that I can, but I also want to work on fulfilling my connections and extending them. And so I think that it's an interesting idea because I remember when, like, friends introduced me to people and, like, the last time they were like, this is the last time we'll ever do this. Like, don't expect this again. If this doesn't work out and everything, it's not my fault. And it's like, why would it be your fault? You're not my relationship. And I think there's this idea online where the entire thing to marry and to do whatever is really lost because the point of dating is just in like relationships in general is just to make as many connections as you can. I've said this before. I'm not able to connect with every single person, but I am going to connect with as many as I humanly can. And so understanding that is like, 
hey, okay, each connection will grow more and some will not grow as much. And there's choices and times where each can end. And that's okay. And that's human. And that's normal. And you can be sad when that ends. You can be anger, angry when that ends and understanding like your emotions, like anger be a second emotion. So like get that feeling wheel out if you need to. But understand like, okay, you know, not every, not every connection is meant to last. And you know that thing of, or maybe you don't, in the mindfulness community is like, there are people that you're going to grow with and there are people that are not going to allow you to keep growing and you do have to end those connections. And you know, they're allowed to come back. They're allowed to leave. And it's, you do not need and to force these connections. And the, we ask ourselves too much this question of like, is this forever? Will this last and everything? When you should just be focusing on like, how do I feel right now? Do you not feel good right now? Then that's not okay. Do you feel good right now? Then keep going. Unless there's something literally blocking you, like whatever, focus on what is right now. Stop focusing on the end destination. Because when you're focusing on that end destination too fast or too early, you're going to find all of these flaws and things and excuses to change or to stop or to cancel or whatever, where we need to find this middle way again, which is another mindfulness concept that we're just here to like build community. We're just here to um, not be white or to be black, but where can we find the middle that like is making us happy that you can feel all spectrum of emotions, but we do not have to view the world as white and black and yes or no. And that there are so much nuance and everything in that you don't have to do things always a hundred percent. You can do it 50% today and 80% and then 20%. We do not always need to be going that hundred percent and it's unrealistic. And that's what society expects of us. Oh, so mindfulness and ADHD, uh, that's like that on relationships. Why is mindfulness helpful for ADHD? So one, we have a very black and white thinking. That is why it's like finding that middle ground. Second is, you know, a little bit positive, more positive perspective where growing up, you might have felt everyone was constantly pointing out your flaws, constantly pointing out how you can do so many amazing things and yet you fail. And it's not realizing like, what they're kind of doing is they've trained our brains to look at the negative. And so what we can do in mindfulness is look at the opportunities instead. And there's this idea of, you know, like being open to different opportunities and whatever. And uh, there's this, I saw this TikTok a few months ago, and I think it's called like the Arbitration League or the Arbitration Bureau, the ABB. I forget what the full thing is, honestly. But the idea behind it is like, okay, there is in the universe something always protecting you from something you might not even know of at the time. So when we get frustrated by rejection or whatever, know that like, yeah, like rejection is redirection, whatever, but know that like it can be blocking you from something you don't even realize. A great example of this um, in fast real time is... Actually, a great example of this was Kenzie in her little interview with talking about her job opportunity that, like, she found out was filled and everything. That's a great uh, example of this. Another one is, I think on July 4th, I was driving home from Ashley's apartment, and I got in a small car accident. Not like a car accident. Somebody hit me, basically. 
And it was really small. He was drunk, and I was like, okay. And there was, like, not really any damage on my car. I don't really care about my car. Um, and so I was just like, okay, like, just give me your number, and then, like, left. And so then I was a few cars behind. And then right in front of me, the three cars in front of me got into a massive accident with somebody coming down a hill and, like, kind of hitting all of them. And my car was the first car not damaged. And so it's, like, in that mind, like, right uh, when I first got hit, you know, I could have been extremely pissed and I'd be like, why is this fucking happening to me? I just want to go home, everything. And that time, I literally remember this. I was like, whatever, like, it's fine. Honestly, I don't care that much. And that's because I don't care much about my car. I do care about me. I was safe, you know, and I was like, it's whatever. Like, I just want to go home. Like, it's okay. Let me get the, um, the stuff covered and then we're good. But that saved me from getting in that car accident you know, and like allowed the timing, you know, to work out better without me even realizing I could have been in that accident and that caused a lot of issues, but I wasn't. And so viewing like, okay, something else protected me. And that even though, yes, this was a minor inconvenience, it saved me from a bigger thing. And this happens a lot in our life without us realizing. And so mindfulness is like seeing that, having awareness for that as happening and knowing that like things can always be happening without us necessarily always taking action. So it's important to like use your awareness and like shifting your awareness to be like, okay, there's other things out there and you don't necessarily, I'm not saying like toxic positivity of like, you know, you get laid off and then you're like, well, there's better things out there. There's better things out there and you having to rush. You can be sad. Like that's the thing I'm trying to say here is right. The middle way is like be sad, feel all those emotions. And then you can say, Hey, okay, this happened. You know, I actually haven't been enjoying the place and whatever. Let's see what else is out there, right? And you can allow anything to dictate your experience in life. And so it's just having that opportunity to shift your perspective a little bit. And it can be hard. I know gratitude can help some people, but it's also takes time to train your brain, honestly, and rewire to see that difference constantly. And I've been working on this a lot over the past about like two to three years now. And that's why it's, it's finally feeling easy and effortless, not necessarily effortless. I still get caught up in it, but I can see it faster. And that's that awareness of like seeing a positive perspective instead of being like, well, nothing ever works out for me. I literally remember in college, um, before I really started to get into this is I was like, I'm doing so much more than others, but I feel like the entire world is against me. And I feel like whenever I get opportunities that I'm really excited to, I know they're never going to work out because I'll tell everyone how excited I am. And then everyone will just knock me down, tell me it's not possible. And so I won't go after things. And I just kept getting slower and slower, like more depressed. And like, I wasn't able to be capable of anything that I ever wanted. And I had to one, like I say, so much not tell people about things very important for me because sharing that energy earlier on is just not a good strategy for myself maybe it is for others but i haven't found it to be good for me the second thing is then being like okay retraining my brain on like what are some things that have been going well for me lately because when i'm in that time of like everything is going so horrible it's like whoa 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 this went horrible that doesn't mean everything. Do not generalize this, Victoria. What is going right? What is still going? Just to keep myself 
hopeful in a sense and continuing whatever I need to do as well as continue to make these connections and everything. Wait, I, I, okay. I actually meant to say this earlier where, you know how I said like friends would set each other up and everything and it's not their fault for the relationship is like, I connected with myself this weekend, which was so good. Also, maybe it was predicted by some, some astrology. They all said I was going to reinvent myself this weekend. And I think I did not reinvent, just regrounded myself. That's how I'm going to reframe this anyways, is my entire life. I just want human connection. I just want to grow that. And I just want to show that. And I'm like, damn, like I wish I had a house my future, I'm definitely owning a house. I I realized how much I actually really want to this weekend because I connected with myself. And I miss doing home projects so much. I miss painting a room on a weekend and not being on my phone and just doing fun designs and everything and doing weird projects. I wish I could have all, like so many people over for a dinner party and have friends, invite friends and everything, and that people can meet each other and build these connections. Because all I've wanted to ever do is just serve as a connector for people. And I just want to, you to come to your problems with me and be like, oh my gosh, that's so interesting. And us talk and make the connections or whatever. And then I'd be like, hey, I know this person can help you. Why don't you go talk to them or whatever? Or people meet up and, you know, I don't need people to make these long lasting connections from this, but I want to serve as a connector for what people need during the time they need. And so knowing that not every person in your life is meant to last and that the only person you really do have guaranteed in your life is you. So why can you not take the best care of yourself and why can you not see yourself as the greatest person and as your best friend? Because even Ashley is not guaranteed for my entire life. Who knows? Who knows what will happen? I don't expect anything. And that's because, you know, I know we'll continue growing and, you know, maybe we'll grow in different ways and that's okay. And we can have many things going on at once, but we as people do not need, should not expect anything from others. And we cannot expect things. We can't expect things of others and we can't expect it back. So what you can expect is for you to take care of you. And it was a speech that was like that. That really helped me just identify and be like, okay, I am the only person that I will ever have. I am guaranteed me, literally. So best be taking care of that. I hope maybe that was helpful for you. I can talk a lot more on mindfulness. Um, if people want to get into mindfulness a lot more, I will say some of my favorite things to listen to are these Dharma talks. I love Brother Fapu. I can like put a few talks in this, the show notes of this video. So if you're interested in that, um, he speaks with Plum Village. I will do that. I want you to take this as a time and, you know, like connecting with yourself is how have you not been doing that lately? Like what have you been craving and you keep denying yourself? What do you keep pushing? A time that is really helpful to understand like how much I'm pushing is like, do I keep thinking I need more is like, that's a sign I need to pull back because I'm not realizing what I have. And what I mean by needing more is like a good example of this is like, Oh, I need another cup of coffee. I need another cup of coffee. Or I need like, I don't know. That's a terrible existence, but like constantly thinking like there's not enough to run on then 
that's the time I need to step back because that's the time I'm least connected to myself. And so I deeply connected with myself this weekend and did gem by number for hours. Something that's also been really helping me connect to my intuition again, as I'm also trying to connect back to my imagination, which is, I got a little bit this weekend, um, is weirdly enough, watching Psych. The reason for that being is because if you don't know the show Psych, Sean, the man got ADHD let me tell you that. And I, I said that before, for a long time. I was like, he just has ADHD, right? Like wild. Hmm. And you know, he was like a psychic detective, whatever for Santa Barbara police department in the show. And he makes wild claims, but then just keeps going on them until they either work out or he finds evidence to change. And he's fine with changing them as they go and learning new things and just accepting that. And it has been really interesting to rewatch that show and be like, wow, seeing that consistently has kind of helped me like rewire my brain in a sense of like constantly trusting myself. And no matter like the weird thoughts I have and whatever is like, you know, let's try it out. Let's see how it goes. What, whatever happens, happens and not to take things too seriously. So it's been actually really great for my mental health. But yeah, this was a fun talk. When you all are listening to this, I will be in a happy sunshine state called Florida. Um, I will be in Florida and having time of my life, hopefully at Disney for the first time ever and connecting to myself even deeper and an opportunity I never thought would occur. What to take away from this? I can talk about more why mindfulness is good for ADHD. Let me know if you all struggle with that. Um, I will link the brother Fapu things down. I'll link like the first few that I like that were a good introduction. How I watch these slowly. Okay. I don't even watch them sometimes all in one go. Sometimes I listen to just a half an hour. And like, sometimes I listen to him while falling asleep because sometimes he has a really great voice to fall asleep too. I'll just say it. Understanding that when you can get mindfulness, you are not feeling shame in others. There's a great thing I can talk about shame. I have an entire deep journaling session on this in this notebook that I don't know where it is, but oh yeah. Um, if you want to try meditation, I think one of the greatest meditations that I first started was, um, bell meditations because you're listening to something and listening till the sound ends. So it's a really good thing to like help hold your focus. Um, maybe next episode, I'll talk about the difference between hyper-focus and flow. Because I think with mindfulness, you can move your hyperfocuses into flow states, which is really a nice thing for ADHD. So let me know if that's interesting to you all. Um, I will see you all later. Peace. Bye.